Ashley Jenks. Wow. It's been a little bit of a while. This episode is um, uh, going to feature Vikram Gandhi, uh, director of Barry, and Barry actually comes out in on Friday, uh, December 16th. So we decided why not have this episode come out on the day. Perfect. So... And because to build to your conversation with Vikram, we thought we would talk about some of our favorite um, political biopics because, right. yeah, for those who might not know, Barry is a biopic about a young Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we thought we'd dive into some other favorites who've captured great historical people on screen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> something that I of course is so like yo adrian keevan for you when you were just googling uh what movies to talk about we realized that there's so few about women yeah and uh and then that made us re- that reminded us that uh the iron lady was shit <laughs> uh, sorry margaret thatcher but not yeah, sorry. Actually, not sorry, Margaret Thatcher. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I when I, I I'm almost surprised that wasn't the first thing that leapt to mind because I thought of a bunch of the really good movies that I like that are um, you know political or historic historico political or historic historico his what's the abbreviation historic politico historic. His- Historico. No, I don't know. Histopato, whatever. Historic and political in content. Hispo. That sounds not good. Uh, (laughs) Sounds like a disease. Venereal disease, yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Hispo. Anyway, I was thinking about how many I like. um, You know, like I love love JFK. I love Michael Collins. You're a huge Oliver Stone fan. We should preface that by saying... I know it really it's and I mean I think what I like about him and this actually works well in terms of what we're talking about women is I feel like when I watch his films I'm really watching history being written and I don't think that (laughs) off the top history by de facto is either right or good you know it's one story that's written and as the expression goes you know history is written by the by the victor and often that means that it's people in power who which often means it's men usually straight white men's and so obviously people are always written out of those those stories and there's something almost fascinating about the transparency of that in watching Oliver Stone movies um and I mean also just they're so male-centric you mean they're male-centric I will say about JFK though that courtroom scene and as someone who's obsessed with the Kennedy assassination and fully believes you know this was like a CIA like you know attempted backed not attempted like a a cia backed um assassination uh i think it's i think it's like i think it's fascinating from that point of view um but yeah it's it's so clear how women are just sort of weeded and written out and then when we were looking at films that um do feature you know women in history they're all from uh they're all you're normally queens like there's elizabeth um with kate blanchett uh then of course there's uh la reine margot which i absolutely adore and just rewatched which ha- stars um, Isabel Adjani as La Reine Margot who was one of the, the queens during the 1500s and during, when the Huguenots in Paris were all murdered in the uh, Bartholomew Day Massacre so yeah it's interesting that it has to be or the queen also I guess would be the other example mm. Yeah, Dame Judy, no not Judy Dench <laughs> Helen Mirren 
<laughs> but she's game. Rightly so. She's rightly so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what were what were some of what were some of yours that you that came to mind? Uh, we we have to give a shout out to Malcolm X. It's, mm-hmm. it's great political biopics. You know, young Denzel, uh, Spike Lee. I have, I have a lot to say about Spike Lee movies, but this is a particularly good one. Um, but my like, I really love like dramatic um, political or hispo dramas, and A Royal Affair is a fave. I I love Matt Mickelson. He was brilliant as Hannibal, like perfect. Um, and he plays this uh, Danish doctor. Um, actually, I think he's a, sorry. He's a German doctor in Denmark, um, and becomes sort of like the physician to to the the Mad King, as they called him. It, it mm-hmm. also stars Alicia Vikander, um, who is actually in everything. Um, truly, yeah, truly, like actually in everything. Um, and uh, she's good in it. She's really good in it, and their chemistry is so great. And um, it's like that classic story. It's very like. Um, uh, King Arthur type, like Lancelot falls for Guinevere kind of thing. Um, mm. uh, Matt Mickelson's character falls in love and vice versa with Alicia Vikander's character, and she's the queen to the Mad King, uh, the wife. Um, and it's just a beautiful story. It's a true story of um, of what went down. Um, and I really, really liked understanding and learning about. Uh, Copenhagen's history and, and Denmark's history and how they were quite conservative and then they have this uh, uh, king who was guided by his physician essentially to be quite Marxist and um, radical and I, I just love that like that's that's their history you know oh, so you like that's also very you <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> that's so me um, don't hate that <laughs> don't hate that but um, I also I don't know if I so much love it or I'm attached to it because I also have a lot of feelings about Gandhi as a person, like as a political person. Um, like there are a lot of records saying, showing that he was quite anti-black um, and very, like very pro-Indian in a way that's kind of creepy and nationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like, you know, with people like him, you often just get like this one-sided um, view that paints them as, as perfect. And, and, um, but I really, I grew up with the film Gandhi starring Ben Kingsley, who is mm-hmm. actually was born Krishna Banji. That was his, his, his actual name. And he had a Gujarati Muslim dad, which is a little tidbit that I forget all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a really really mesmerizing portrayal of somebody that uh, was, for all intents and purposes, like, a very fascinating person and, and like, obviously shaped the narrative of India in a, in a post-colonial um, way. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that's a really important biopic for me. Yeah, I know. I was, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's, I was just thinking about... Because this that one's also a uh, what am I trying to say? Um, like co- not costume drama. It's a period piece mm-hmm. as well. And I was thinking again, just going back to how few you know women women there are, and how they're but they, how they're all period pieces mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. Which, which feels 
striking, like almost as because it's not like there aren't women in politics now, um, but mm. it's almost as though it needs to be. In the, like, do they need to be positioned as being hundreds of years ago to not be seen as threatening? Like, is that that almost feels too cliched a reading to say? You know, like, other than. Margaret Thatcher, the Queen, or Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, the Queen, um, or even something like Evita, which is a musical. You know, those are the twentieth twentieth uh, century portraits of women in power. But yeah, I don't know. Let's. It's that was a semi-formed. I also or, think that like people are obsessed with biopics, and there, there always happened to be a period drama. Like I just recently watched an, um, a United Kingdom. Mm, yeah and it was such a beautiful beautiful film um but i think that that's it's a yeah we really like historical dramas being uh period pieces also because yeah i don't know i mean it i don't know what it would look like to have a movie set in now like a political drama set set in right now like i don't want to watch trump on the big screen you know yeah, I, like, at God, no. Yeah, don't want to Abs- see that shit show unfold. We're already no. living in, in real Yeah, life. we're already living in what feels like an utter horror film, so yeah. don't also make a biopic that is horrific as well. Please. Um, what about, like, would you want to see, controversial, would you want to see a Hillary, a Hillary Rodham Clinton uh, biopic? That's That's about to happen. I guarantee you somebody out there is like writing that script and it's going to get greenlit. Like it's, it's, there's so much fodder there. Like she is such a fascinating person and really like a very, very integral part of the fabric of American politics. Yeah. Especially for, for the last, you know, from the 1990s on. My gosh. Absolutely. Like she's, she's played a really important role and, and like, and just to see somebody rise from, from like, I mean, I think she was always privileged, but like just somebody who's like really worked a lot uh, to get where they are and then to be faced with uh, losing to Trump. It's a great story. It's a script yeah, right there. It is truly. And I mean, also because it's, I, I always like when the films aren't entirely political and then weave into the person's story, you know, their love life and things like that, like touching on the Monica Lewinsky scandal, all that kind of stuff. It would be really fascinating. <clears throat> Pardon me. It'd be really fascinating to see how that was dealt with because you could stop that. I feel like is where it could so easily become really, um, basically like sexist and reductive in, you know, giving all the time to her personal <laughs> life and that kind of stuff. But in, at the same time, that event and that moment was so, public and so politically loaded you wouldn't be able to not touch on it yeah you know? I, I mean I was in a I was in a cab uh, in Dublin going to the airport and my cab driver was super racist and just like an awful human being but he the last time I was in Dublin I had the most racist cab driver oh, as well there's, yeah, there's the theme yeah. Um, yeah. but he was talking about how much like he disliked Hillary and one of the points that he brought up was the fact that he she stood by uh, Bill and he didn't like that and I was like oh okay feminist bro like as if as if 
you're like out here being like women should set up for themselves more. you know like it's that it's they play both arguments right oh and it's yeah so embarrassing it's like you you catch them in the lie but um yeah I uh I I think that she, she there's somebody out there writing that script but before we go I also want to give a shout out to The Last King of Scotland which uh I really enjoyed uh Forrest Whitaker playing Idi Amin um and then like baby Carrie Washington loved that and Frost Nixon Frank Langella as Nixon and Michael Sheehan as David Frost. What a brilliant movie. Yeah, and really beautifully made as mm-hmm. well. It breaks some of the general biopic rules, I feel like. You know, it kind of, I don't know, mix that up a little bit. Yeah. Are um, David Frost? Yeah, there you go. Um, maybe, maybe one that I'd like to see um, would be like a Viola Desmond biopic now that she's on her banknote. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wouldn't that be... That would be something. And more than just, like, a heritage minute. Yeah. I mean, it's, what, it's 150 years coming up, right? Next year? Yeah. Yeah. It would be 100... Wait. It was... Well, her... She would have been 100 this year. So, well, shit. We missed that centennial. (laughs) Get on it. (laughs) Telefilm. Fund it. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Well, on that note... Over to Barry, I guess. Yeah. Well, over to Vikram via Barry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking to filmmaker Vikram Gandhi, who directed the film Kumare. Am I saying that right? Kumare, yes. Kumare, in 2011, which is a documentary where Vikram himself plays a fake guru. I love it. But more timely, he also directed Barry to much critical acclaim. Barry is a film about a young Barack Obama who arrives in New York City in the fall of 1981 to begin his junior year at Columbia University. It's a beautiful, nuanced portrait of how the current United States president, in many ways, formed his politics. Vikram, welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, So, firstly, Barry is a truly outstanding film. I enjoyed so much about it. Uh, the cinematography, the acting, Devin Terrell's intonation of Barack was remarkable. Um, what drew you to making this film after Kimari? Well, I, you know, I, I was reading um, Barack Obama's memoirs, and I just was struck by his time at Columbia. It felt so familiar to me. Um, I went to went Columbia, to Columbia. Yeah. and I lived on 109th Street, the same block he lived on. And so I just kind of visualized it. Uh, you know, just the places that he he must have eaten, the places that the bars that he went to, the classes he took, and and as I started imagining it, I was like, Barack Obama in New York in 1981, like that that just seems like a cool movie, and that's you know it's just a that was just sort of the initial idea, but um, you know as we as I got deeper into it, I just I realized what drew me into that was the the president was a, a kid like so many other young people just trying to figure out where he fit in. And because of his identity, mixed race, heritage, um, he had to kind of navigate this city, and uh, the, the, he had to navigate New York, and and uh, it, it was, a, I think, a pivotal time. I mean, I'm it's it's hard to know exactly if we're just projecting that, but it does seem like, you know, in in all of his writings, that it it was a time where he, you know, was becoming uh, the man that we we know today. 
Um, so that's kind of you know what drew me to it. Yeah, that's really reflected in the film also. Like, I mean, something that really, really resonated with me is how uh, he kind of chose blackness, which is what I sort of took away from the film. Do you think that that's an accurate, um, an accurate takeaway? Yeah, you know, what I, what I sort of, uh, I think that it was definitely a decision to, you know, you know, to the idea of becoming Barack and saying, I'm going to own my identity. Um, and I think part of that is seeing that he, he, it seemed like he had a responsibility to, to black America if he wanted to be, you know, to, to, to take a stand and be somebody important and, and represent that community. And so he, after the period of time in, in New York, he went to Chicago and he took a much more difficult route than a lot of people who would have, um, you know, gone to Columbia and become a lawyer. You know, he, he decided to become a community organizer. And you could see, I think, in the film, like, you know, we, we tried to show that he was learning about, you know, African-American society a bit from his time in New York. How could you not if you're, you know, just blocks from Harlem? And so I do think there's a level of choosing his blackness, but I think owning up to, you know, what is his social responsibility? Uh, and, and, I, and I think we're seeing some of the roots of that in this film. Um, Hmm. So, um, what are what are the what are tidbits that you could share that you felt connected to in the biography that you tried to try to bring in into the film? Yeah, you know, he, he so he lived on 109th Street, but he decided to move off campus uh, further away. Uh, you know, he was living off campus, but instead of moving closer to campus uh, to be more part of college life, he moved to the east side and he moved in with the pakistani guy who is a bartender Salim, and yeah and and so what that showed me is that, that he was really doing his own thing during that time and he was trying to figure out something that was not just academic but was deeply personal and you know he wrote about that period of time as becoming sort of like a monk that he would fast one day a week he ran three miles every day and he wasn't really very social. In fact, all the accounts that I have have read um, are either you know from girlfriends who who uh, have have done interviews about uh, their time together, but also you know other people in his class. And there wasn't too many memories uh, people had of him. So which is which is fascinating in that what we see today is an extremely social and well-adjusted human. Um, but I, I think that like everybody else, there was there was a time when he wasn't as confident and was just trying to figure himself out. So Charlotte, uh, that to me was fascinating, you know? That is, it's super fascinating. Um, you mentioned ex-girlfriends. Charlotte, mm -hmm. who is uh, is his girlfriend in the movie, is she based on a, on a real person? Well, the, the experiences and the, and the scenes in the movie are based on things that I've read about. But it was important to me that it wasn't about going back to his past and kind of like saying, oh, well, this is the girl who who inspired this or that. So what I did was kind of, you know, uh, composited uh, the experiences and turned it, you know, created the character of Charlotte, mostly just to not really focus on who, you know, who was other women before Michelle. Like, uh, that wasn't really the point. It's really about his development. Um, but we tried to, you know, I tried to embody everything I've read about that period of time and his relationships within the Charlotte character. I loved, um, I loved her character because it was such a juxtaposition to him in so many ways, but also like the, the push and pull of being in an, an interracial, um, partnership, especially in the eighties. I can't even imagine how difficult that might've been. Um, and there's that scene where her father 
thinks that he's the I don't know what the the name is, but but the but bathroom the person, attendant. The bathroom attendant, yes. Yeah. Um, and like something like that, where like you never unpack it, but it's so moving to watch. Like, is that something that you read about, or or is that something? no? That you know that that's a scene that uh, you know we wrote in in the film, um, thinking about you know sort of extrapolating from what what I, I had read about and the and the women he dated. Like, this is sort of an experience that would be natural to somebody. Um, you know, going out with uh, somebody from an upper, you know, an an upper class family from Connecticut. So, you know, that that's a scene that we we wrote in. But it's also one of these things that, like, something like that would have happened. You know, because right. it, it's just it is inherent into the experience of being um, somebody who's mixed race or African American or you know, like you know, there's experiences that we show in in the film of, uh, of him being on campus at Columbia and being stopped by security guards. Mm -hmm. And, um, there isn't a reference to him that happening, but I mean, that happened to me mm. when I went to, you know, so mm. it's sort of like it would have happened in one way or another. And it, to me, it was really important to say, this isn't just a movie about, you know, this person who's like a celebrity. This is, this was supposed to be a movie about, about, you know, almost every man, um, or every person who's, of of um, of color who's gone yeah. through these experiences, um, and so there's a you know I I didn't want it to be a, a movie about being the first black president. I wanted it to be about this sort of uniquely American person who has a multicultural background, um, and and I think I think the reason that a lot of us connected so much to Barack Obama across all races was that he embodied this this uh, American that that isn't just one thing, but is many things. And I think that's more and more the case um, for young people and, you know, the next generation in America will, will have more than one background, you know? Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of moments in the film which was a distillation of, of the microaggressions that people of color experience all the time. I mean, I'm a person of color and I've, I've experienced so many of those things. And one of the reason one of the reasons I think I really, really love Salim uh, Salim's character, played by Avi Nash, um, was because he was well. He also he brought so much levity into the script and into the viewing experience. But uh, you don't really see South Asian kids in these period dramas, um, and I loved that he was sort of uh, allowing Barack in a lot of ways to navigate uh, being a person of color in New York. So, did you did you do much research on Salim, or like, did what do you? Yeah, think I mean, I, I think. Well, you know, I've re I've seen interviews with his uh, Pakistani friends from that period of time, and so you know, from also you know reading his book, it's unclear what's a composite of two people or or what's one person. But you know, he had a roommate who was a Pakistani bartender, and the interviews that I've seen, he's extremely funny and cynical, and you know, talked about wanting to get laid and. Um, you know, party as opposed to what Barry was thinking about, which was social issues, and um, and so you know, we we sort of drew from that, and in a lot of ways, Salim is uh, he's kind of like the chorus of the film. He's he's my voice in a lot of ways, mm. um, saying he's the only person in the room who can say to Barry, "You're not that black." Uh, he's the only person in the room who could actually, you know, in the film who really relates to him, but he's taken a different approach to deciding whether he would become part of society or not. And and I think Salim is an example of somebody who has decided to sort of go into the fringes of society um, because of his alienation, whereas Barry decided to take the other route. 
um, and I, you know, the, in, I think for Salim's perspective is, hey, you know, when we talk about the Invisible Man and the references to that book, like Salim is kind of an invisible man himself, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a decision of whether Barack Obama would go down that road um, to be, you know, Im- just be like, I'm an outsider, I don't fit in. Um, and instead, he's, he took a route to say, like, no, this is who I am, and I'm going to be part of society and change society. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's uh, I think, really what I really loved about the juxtaposition of those characters, this odd couple living together, um, you know, that sort of seemingly had a familiar experiences, but had different reactions to them. Yeah, I liked the, the play on the model myth minority um, concept with uh, Salim also. Um, right. What, so you, Adam Mansbach uh, was a screenwriter on this. Um, yes. What kind of relationship did you guys have writing the script? Well, we, you know, I, I basically started a script and I was on the road working uh, on Vice on HBO. And I said, you know, I need, I need to, I need to work with a writer to make sure this movie actually happens. And um, so Adam and I went to college. Uh, we both went to Columbia, and I, and part of why I wanted to work with him was that he could understand. Um, all these experiences that I was talking about in the film, you know, um, the, like he understood uh, the places we went, the experience of, of, of living in that, that neighborhood. Um, and also he's a great writer. Uh, but beyond that, Adam has, you know, he's sort of an expert in, in race and issues around race and writes a lot about that. So, um, you know, that, that was a really good match. And we, you know, we worked r- together on this, uh, you know, back and forth for a long time. And, um, I probably spent more time writing writing notes. Uh, he's a pretty quick writer. Um, that, so so it was really like a lot of back and forth and um, and we you know we we wrote the story together and then you know uh, he he uh, finally wrote you know great dialogue and and so it, yeah, it was a very collaborative process because mm, it's a brilliant script. It's a really it's just fresh and full. And I mean, diversity is a is a is a subject that we've been talking about a lot this year with with the Oscars so white and all of these things. But it's so refreshing to actually see good writing. Um, so, yeah. You know, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so you you're writing about arguably the most powerful man in the world. Um, did you think about that at all while you were making the movie? Like the importance of this reflection of Obama as a person that people feel very passionately about? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's all about humanizing, um, you know, these great figures. And I think it's important to do that because, um, we, we start telling ourselves a story that is, you know, that is sort of manufactured. And at the end of the day, like, what he experienced as what he wrote about when he was a kid, it was, it's just so familiar and so normal. And, um, it's like every person's journey. And I think, uh, that's important to, to remember. And so when we were looking into this, I said, you know, this is a tiny movie about a really, uh, prominent person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, strangely, actually a lot of the themes in his own, like inner searching have, uh, which I never really thought were political when it was, when we were making the movie, um, have become political now, you know, um, just a sort of vision of America that is, has, is, is, is different, I think, with the president-elect, um, <laughs> you know, just thinking about all, a lot of the themes of being American that are in this film, um, you know, when we were making it, it was, it was deeply personal, 
um, and sort of a meditation uh, on race and identity. And I think, um, you know, in the last month, and I watched the movie, you know, again now, it feels like it's a meditation on America. Mm. Um, and and so I think that it's there's it's sort of taken on a new a new meaning I think in the context of the world we live in now. Mm. I mean, because there's also South by South Side by You, a film by Richard mm-hmm. Tan, uh, which is another film about Obama that came out this year. And I think, in many ways, they're companion pieces, Barry and Barry and South Side by You, because Barry is almost a prelude to the story of of that film. Because, um, like I said, it's it's his confrontation of. of the blackness and maybe not feeling black enough as Salim said he wasn't. Um, right. And, uh, and, you know, especially going forward with, with the president elect, um, what do you think it says about us as an audience that two films about Obama were made while he was still in office? I don't think that's ever been done before. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously like, in the media landscape we live in, there's just more content than ever. But, you know, W came out um, right towards the end of right. George Bush's term. And um, I, I think that, I mean, I think the, the major thing with Obama is that he's such a familiar and humanizing, yeah, he, we, are, we, are, we feel really connected to him in a lot of ways. And, you know, part of my take on that is that you know, this is the first African-American president mm-hmm. and he has struggled to... Um, push things through uh, Congress, and even though he's the most powerful man in America, in the world perhaps, um, it's still been a struggle to get basic things to to be changed in this country. And and because of that, I think his humanity keeps coming out. Mm. To you know, when when there is there was a murder, and he you know, I remember after Trayvon Martin, and he talked about well you know his relationship to that story and what happened and it's i think it's it's very moving to see that you know this very powerful person is is still struggling with a lot of the issues that you know that that all of us are um mm-hmm. despite him being in such a powerful position uh and so i think you know i think people feel connected he's definitely like the coolest president we've you know ever had i mean um and so it, it makes sense to me that people are, um, you know, myself and another filmmaker would make make a movie about him or disappeared in his life. Um, yeah, we're trying to understand him. I think that also we're looking, hopefully, towards the future after Trump and, and hoping that we can have this again because, yeah, it's, I mean, as much as I, I have my certain feelings about Obama, he, as you said, has just been a, a really, I mean, it's refreshing to see somebody who is a black man be president, especially with the with the history of the United States? Yeah, um, absolutely. What are what what are the stories that interest you beyond Barry? What else are you working on right now? Um, well, I love you know I I still work with Vice and HBO. I, I love immersive journalism. Um, that's that's something I, I'll I'll do and you know as long as I can do. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm I'm sort of trying to do everything I you know I've spent some of my career just kind of like paying my dues in different departments so Kumare Vice on HBO and and now my first narrative so I'm just trying to you know now now do everything um but you know I just needed to get through uh sort of stepping into into each of these worlds first so I'm going to keep working on Vice I'm going to um you know working on my next film uh which will hopefully very be very different and uh and yeah um so I'm kind of doing everything right now. Um, 
what advice do you have for other young directors out there, especially as the industry is so white? Oh, um, well, I think that I think the industry is changing, and you know, it's just about like uh, you know, th- there's room for all the everyone's story. I think you, it's there's a there's a scene about like passing the baton, you know. But mm-hmm. I think uh, you know Barack Obama passing the baton to the next generation, um, you know, when it comes to like race, race and identity. Um, and I think even for filmmakers, it's the same thing. Like 10 years ago, there weren't, I, I couldn't imagine, um, making a movie, uh, uh, with a mixed race character, like would it get funded? Well, you know, <laughs> like how would that all work? And now I think there are all kinds of stories being told and there's so much out there. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, being true to the story you're telling. Don't try to, uh, whitewash. I don't know if that's the right word. You don't need to, you don't need to, you know, uh, conform to, to what seems like the more sellable thing. You just have to, you know, decide that you want to do something and make it happen. Um, and so hopefully what you're pushing for is good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know if that's real advice, Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, I also think for anybody, you just have to really be okay. Um, you know, pushing really hard and, and, and going through the struggle of making it happen. Um, the, you know, there, w- this was like painstakingly done and, you know, worked harder than I ever have in my life just, just to make a movie. So I think it's always a miracle that there's any good movies, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, cause it's such a crazy thing to do. And, uh, yeah, I think you just need to want it really bad. I think, I think that filmmaking, directing, it's all about compromising. It's like you, you push, you have something in your head and you're trying to recreate that or, or, you know, or, and build it in the real world. And every, every inch, there's a new obstacle. Something's getting in your way. Um, whether it's, whether it's weather, casting locations. So it's all just like obstacle after obstacle. And, and, um, you just need to keep pushing and not compromise, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and bend when you have to bend. But, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a crazy process, um, and I'd only wish it upon anybody who really, really wanted it. Yo Adrian is hosted by Kiva Reardon and me, Faria Roisin. You can follow Kiva at Kiva underscore Jane and me at Faria Roisin. Thank you to Sal Patel and Matt Ingeriger for their hard work and help producing all the time. And if you'd be so kind, please follow Yo Adrian on iTunes and SoundCloud because that's how we get all those sweet, sweet likes. And of course, do not forget to listen to Tiff's other podcast. Well, nobody's perfect, except a lot of other people.